Well, I think good evening to everyone first, and just like to give you a warm welcome to George PM. <clears throat> and I think just for the last, for the visitors, I think just for the last two or three weeks, we've kind of been focusing in on perhaps the, the Easter story and some of the, the, the scripture verses that lead from the, the, the story of Easter going through into what I'm going to share tonight. So just let's just pick up a little bit of, of where we are going to start. And just for the observance of where we are, um, I'm going to perhaps give you the title for those of you um, are writing notes and perhaps to remind you a little bit. The, the title is going to be, It's Only After You've Stepped Outside of Your Comfort Zone That You Begin to Change, to Grow and Transform. Must I repeat that? It's only after you've stepped outside of your comfort zone that you begin to change, to grow, and to transform. Got it? Let's just pray. Father, as I, I share your word tonight, Lord, I, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you indeed just give to us the grace that you have for us, Lord. As we hit these stumbling, stumbling blocks within our hearts, within our lives, Lord, that you indeed allow us to come before you, asking for your mercy to set us free, to change us, to allow us to grow, and to transform into the people that you want us to be. For this we ask in your precious and wonderful name. I'm not vain. I have to know my age. The, the, the words are blurred. So that's probably why I had to say it slowly so I could focus. Isaiah chapter 41 verses 9 to 10 gives us these words, You are my servant, I have chosen you, and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I think for, for most of us, we, we go through these verses of Scripture that says, I will help you, says the Lord. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And yet when reality kicks in, we sometimes forget. We sometimes don't recognize those words. And so I just thought that as we're continuing with this little bit of the, the Easter message, I just wanted to highlight four or three little words and it's where we pick up the story about the disciples um, going through the, the lead up to Jesus being crucified and his resurrection and where they see the empty tomb and where they, where they still gather together. But I want us to pick up from Mark 16 verses 8 to 15. And I'm just going to pick out some of the verses there. Trembling and bewildered. That's fearful. That's scared. 
not knowing what's happened. They've been with the master. They've been all the time for, three, for 33 years. They've seen him while he ministered in three years. They've been there, yet they were still trembling and bewildered. They hadn't really listened to what Jesus had said and what was going to happen. And if we, we read on a little bit, that same unbelief as Jesus ascended into heaven, they witnessed it. But the disciples replied, we don't believe. <coughs> the same unbelief is found in Mark 16, verse 11. I think if we go back one, uh, Renee. <coughs> when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Where do we stand with that same verse? Do we believe? Do we understand? Or are we standing there frightened? bewildered, amazed. But yet, if we go through a little bit longer into that verse, between verses 14 and 20, something happens. Because Jesus talks to his disciples, the ones who are frightened, the ones who said, I do not believe. They did not believe, they said. But what amazes me is that same Jesus talks to these disciples these unbelieving, fearful believers. He says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But what has happened between verses 14 and 20? I think we need to know what happened in Acts 20, uh, chapter 2. The disciples walked out of darkness. They walked out of weakness. And they both, all 12, 11 of them, arrived at the power to do what Jesus had commissioned them to do. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We've all heard that message. We've all heard that message. We've all read the scripture that it comes to that point. I did not believe that it's for me to go and to preach into the whole world to the ends of George, my end of my street. Do I believe it? Do I know that it's true? Stepping out of your comfort zone tonight is going to be stepping out into an unknown area. Yes, you may be frightened. You may be bewildered. You may say, I do not believe. But are we, are we grieving the Holy Spirit? I believe we are. In um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit is God's delight. He pours it out to us. He gives to us something so much, yet in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, I didn't give you this one, Renee, we are called, don't cause the Holy Spirit sorrow by the way that you live. Remember, He is the one who marks you to be present on that day when salvation comes, when sin will be completed, 
when your name is in the Lamb's book of life. He will tick you present. Let's not cause sorrow for the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit is, is God's delight. We, there's, there's never been a time where the God and there's been no Holy Spirit, or where the Son and there's been no Holy Spirit. The evidence for this is, is frequent because it's the Spirit of God. It enables the Father to love the Son. It enables the Son to love the Father. And for the Holy Spirit to be all of love that passes between the two of them. So that all three have this, this eternal um, nature together where they are love. If the Son of God is equally eternal with the Father, as John 1, 1-3 says, it makes clear that he is then so is the Holy Spirit equally eternal with them both. Because according to Romans, and Paul wrote this, the Spirit of Christ is one and the same with the Spirit of God. If this were not so, we would have to imagine that there was a time that there was no, no Spirit with the Son, no Spirit with the Father. But no, that is not it itself. The Holy Spirit is essential to the relationship between the Father and the Son. And I think we need to understand this more and more as we search in hunger, where we search in thirst. Do we have that same relationship as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has, that complete love? As far back as into eternity, the Father has loved the Son, and there has always been an infinite Holy Spirit of love and a delight between them both. He, God and the Son, they live together in a divine person. And as Jesus prays in John 17, 26, he asks his Father for nothing less than the Holy Spirit when he says, I made you known, Father, for nothing less than the Holy Spirit when he says, I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, and the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Do we really fully, um, in our minds, in our simple human minds, appreciate the Father, the Son, and the relationship of love with the Holy Spirit? but as the spirit of infinite love between the Father and the Son, that we may love the Father too, which is the very, the very love of the Son. And the love of the Son, which is the very love of the Father. Do we see that? Do we gasp, grasp that in our own hearts? Do we grasp that for today? In Psalm 42, verse 7, it says, Deep calls to deep. In the roars of your waterfall, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. You know, we, we, we come to this point tonight where we've been talking about thirst and hunger. But how big is your thirst? How big is your hunger? And I'm going to come to that in a little while. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 to 12, Paul writes, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has pre prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed these things to us through his Spirit. The Spirit understands all things. He understands even the deep things of God. 
Who can know the thoughts of another person? If I'm standing here, do you know what I'm thinking right now? Yeah, I'm trying to stumble over my words. You probably know that. But what am I thinking? I'm going through the alphabet, A, B, C. Did you know that? No? And Stephen, I don't know what you're thinking. This is Bob's story tonight. I don't know. But I don't know what you're thinking. Only a person's own spirit can know them. In the same way, only the Spirit of God knows God's thoughts. And what we have received is not the Spirit of the world. We have received the Spirit who is from God. The Spirit helps us understand what God has freely given to us. In the beginning was the Word. Sorry, Renee. John 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So from the beginning, do we believe that the Holy Spirit, the relationship Father, Son, Son, and Father, and the Holy Spirit is what we can have as well. We can have that relationship if we step outside of our comfort zone and we begin to live. But you are not ruled, in Romans 8, verse 9, but you are not ruled by the power of sin. Instead, the Holy Spirit rules over you. This is true if the Spirit of God lives in you. And anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. Our relationship to Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives us that love. The love between the Son and the Father. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is in us. Do we see that tonight? Do we grasp that? Do we have that in our little box, our little our life that we have around us? Can we step out of that a little bit tonight and grasp hold of the Spirit, the Son and the love, the Son and the Father's love, the Father, the Son, and the Son to the Holy Spirit love? Can we grasp that tonight? Or are we stepping more back into our little box, not able to really go into what the life the, the Father has for us? And Jesus says, talking, to the, uh, talking with the Father, John 17, verse 26, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Do we grasp hold of that as we step out of our comfort zone? Do we step out of that relationship, the Holy Spirit, the Son, the Son and the Father, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, that love that is there permanently, eternally, that is ours tonight? Do we grasp hold of it? Have we got this? The Holy Spirit guides us how to grow and how to navigate life. But we're now still tucked up in our little box. It has been said so many times that I think it's a, um, the end of the story, really, this one from me, because I've, I have used it a couple of times. We have in our car a little GPS, and Barbara says, we should be going this way. And very often the little lady says very politely, turn around where possible. But for me, I'm a scout. I'm an ex-scout, a Queen Scout from the UK. I know that's north. I know that's south. I know that's east. That's west. He says, pointing in the wrong direction. See, I do know. But sometimes life, scripture, is telling us to turn around. 
to step out of our comfort zone. Are we doing that? For the Bible itself, it tells us so much. It, convert, it confirms the origin of life for each and every one of us. Again and again, it makes sense of our experiences, good and bad. But it also points to that harmony, that harmony that we should have, reconciling us back to the Father, the love between us and through the Holy Spirit to Jesus, to Jesus, to the Father, to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, to us. Do we have that harmony? Do we see that relationship as we are reconciled to the Lord? Are we confessing our sin to give us that harmony, to reconcile that which has broken us? Brokenness. Brokenness. We no longer sometimes have that peace between humanity and God, for our sin gets in the way. And do we have as a foundation in our hearts that relationship, that love, us, the, through the Spirit, to the Son, to the Father, to the Father, to the Son, to us, through the Spirit? Do we have that? Do we have that really, really within our hearts tonight? We need to listen more, perhaps, to God. And as deep cries out to deep, we cry out for that deep relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to us. We need to cry out more and more for that. But yet we stand like the disciples, nervous. The ladies, extremely fearful. But that foundation that we have should still be this love of the Spirit giving to us, the Son of the Father, the Father, the Son, back to us. It's a foundation that we all need, but do we have? Do we have or we crammed in our little box. We love our little comfort zones. We, lo we love all the little things around us. But are we prepared to give up and step out to grow? You know, I can go through the, the whole eternal um, words of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of love and the delight between the Father and the Son. And the, the, the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture and the Scripture is what we read day by day. I mean, we can go through the Psalms, Hebrews, Thessalonians, Isaiah, John, Psalms again. We can go through, right through, right through to Timothy. It gives strength to the weak, comfort to the distraught. It's pure. It's like silver refined seven times, the psalmist says. It gives life, the psalmist says. It makes us wise. You know, I was, I was going through the scriptures of all these different ones of how the author of scripture has put things together for each and every one of us, even if we haven't read it. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, and I didn't give it to you, Renee, it says, Go to the ant, you lazy fellow. Consider its ways and be wise. How many of us will step out of our little comfort zone and look at the ant and how it lives? How many of us will do that? The wisdom of God is inexhaustible. And if this doctrine is true, then implications are so profound that we will begin to realize the love between us, the, the Son and the Father, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to us. We will grasp hold of it if we just listen to the wise words of Scripture. But then we doubt we, we come to this point like tonight and we, we, we're asked to move out of our comfort zone a little bit. But we doubt. We, we read the scriptures. Yes, it's lovely. No doubt we can be conquerors. More than conquerors. 
Yet I look at Benny and I'm fearful of him, what he's going to say to me. I look at Stephen and I perhaps say, it's not natural for me to, to think what he's thinking. And for John, I mean, there are things in, in his life that I don't know how to relate to. And I'm only picking on the, the elders and some of, some of the leaders But the Holy Spirit conquers this fear. He conquers the fear that we have of man. He conquers the fear of the confidence, the confidence to step out. But do we believe that? Are we sitting there fearful and afraid? I do not believe, we say. You know, if I asked you tonight, what are you fearful of? And I'm sure if one or two of you will shout out, Spiders! Creepy crawlies. What about the confidence to read a portion of Scripture here right now? How many of you are fearful of talking in front of a crowd? That's the same sort of fear, that confidence. It's not natural sometimes to step out and talk to people. You have to get out of your comfort zone. Be not fearful of man. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. It conquers the fear. But are we allowing it to do that? You know, in the, the personal story of fear, and we talk of the dark, and we talk about spiders and creepy crawlies, um, fear is something that I had when I was about eight or nine. And I've only ever experienced this once. Now, my parents... Uh, my dad, his parents lived in a two-story house, but it had a basement. It was actually a coal cellar. You kind of, even though um, I was probably only about so high, you, if my dad went in there, he had to stoop over because the ceiling in the basement was quite low. And there was like a coal chute where the coalman would um, bring the, the coal in and it would drop into the one corner. Now, my grand loved to make wine, And she always had dried apples and different things, uh, fermenting and what have you for her wine. She did parsnip wine, apple wine. And it really was nice, even though I was about eight or nine. It did taste nice. (laughs) So, just, no. So, my story of fear is to get down into the basement from the kitchen. There was about 15, 16 steps. But there was only one little glow light sort of near the coal chute in the bottom end of the basement. So as I stepped down in these steps to the basement in this dark, gloomy space, something attracted my eyesight behind me. What I thought was a ravenous animal coming down the stairs after me. Now, for an eight, nine-year-old in the dark, going down these stairs, and there's the coal and the coal and the smell of the coal and Grand's apples and the fermenting wine... This thing that was coming down the steps after me gave me goosebumps that took a week to get rid of. They were on the back of my arms everywhere. These goosebumps, I did not know what was coming down the stairs after me. My grandparents did not have animals. My mum and dad never had animals. So what was this coming down the stairs? Now, fear grabbed hold of me. My dad and my mum said, I screamed the street down. People were coming down opposite side of the road. What on earth's going on? All it was was coming down behind me, in my head, in fear. Now just remember what fear stands for. Fear stands for false 
evidence appearing real. Okay, have I said it slow enough? False evidence appearing real. What I thought was this ravenous animal coming down the stairs after me to eat me was an old toilet brush. I had kicked it from the top of the stairs and it was following me down. The, the, the shushling, the shushling was the brush and the, the stick of the handle was going tap, tap, tap down the steps. So I thought I was going to be eaten alive. So that is fear. False evidence appearing real. My head said, that's an animal's coming to eat you. But it was false. The Holy Spirit conquers fear. Where are you in your life where I can say, I can do all this through him who gives me strength? Now, if we, if we go through the, the cycle of different fears, and you say to me, well, I'm strong. Paul, where are you? I'm the biggest guy here. I'm strong. But let's be honest. Do we acknowledge what our fear is? Are we stepping out? Do we procrastinate the things that are difficult? Do we avoid people in open spaces? You blame circumstances. Oh, I wasn't really, I didn't go to school very well. I didn't do this, so I can't do that. So I never have any progress. You get angry when somebody points something at you that you haven't done that you should have done. Or perhaps you are just numb emotionally. You, you see something going on in the street and you just pass by. You lack motivation. You feel lazy when faced with perhaps the important chores. When Barbara says, do this, I say, yes, dear. <laughs> you focus on easy-to-do jobs. I'll do this. That's great. But are we conquering our fears? Fears. When we are easily distracted, when it takes that real effort to do something, are we really stepping out? You know, the scripture says, I will pour water on a thirsty land. Sorry, uh, Renee, it's Isaiah 44, verse 3. I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. You know, to, to do that, we've got to be in the right place. We've got to be in our right area. We've got to be in our box with our family. They've got to be with you in Christ. The relationship between you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you see where it's, it's even nicer? I'm sure on a Friday, I'm sure you, you, you're quite happy when, when people say, TGIF. Thank goodness it's Friday. A smile comes across everybody's faces when you say TGIF. And you get to that, that sudden point of Friday, it's nice to be nice with people. Oh, yeah, look, I'm looking forward to a weekend. I'm looking forward to my Saturday, my Sunday at church for an hour. It's great. But then we get to that, that point. I will pour my water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. Where's our fear now? Monday comes round all too quick. Monday is where you have to face the boss. What you should have done on Friday or Thursday, you didn't do, so you've now got to face him. On Friday, rest and recreation, you were smiles and all was good. And it was so close that you could taste it on Friday. You know when it's, you're happy that the boss says you can go home at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? What a happy weekend it's going to be. You know, that spillover of joy, 
That spillover of spontaneity of love. Isn't it good over a weekend? Don't we see the relationship, us between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Do we not see that even more so when we come to church on a Sunday? But what happens on a Monday or Tuesday? And we seem to have lost that, that togetherness, that spontaneity of love. And I have to say it all over again, between us, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and going backwards and forwards. What about when we, we're coming up to our birthday? I know some of us don't like the, the age, the number. I've heard that tonight already, where John is. But there's one or two others who are quite happy just before Christmas. We've raided all the cupboards and we've seen all the parcels. We've rattled them. We've shaked them. We're looking forward to it. We have that spontaneity of love. But how do we receive that pouring out of water? Do we just take a small cup of water? Uh, I've only got one hand, but if we pour that into there, that's a small sip. That's a small sip of water. A small sip. But is that what it's saying? No, I believe for that spontaneity, that love between us, the Son and the Father, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, to each and every one of us, we must be drenched in the Spirit. We must have everything. We need to step out of that comfort zone. We need to step out of the more, into the more, and begin to live because there is what there is, the drenching that comes from the being filled with the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, not only are our fears removed, but our longings are satisfied. Being drenched in the, human, in the Holy Spirit, our human heart is exhausted when we have that spontaneity. I will pour out my, land, my water on this thirsty land. I will make streams flow on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your children. I will pour out my blessing on their children after them. But also part of this stepping out is where we need to perhaps really know where the Holy Spirit makes us secure. That stepping out into Him. In Him, in Jesus, you were sealed with the promise the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Now, God's greatest desire for His people is that we feel, we feel secure in His love. That love that I'm talking about, that relationship with Jesus. Everything else in, in life may, around us may be unstable, our health our family relationships, our job, our education, our society, our world. It gets perhaps unpredictable. And it's, it's a story of the unpredictable wind that blows. You feel yourself losing balance. You, you, you're pushing against the, 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 the push of the wind rather than being allowed to be blown by the wind. And every, every, if you're on top of a mountain or on top of a, a wall or somewhere and you feel the wind blowing you and you try and grasp hold of something and you feel like you're, you're just falling and you're losing balance, those are the moments when the Holy Spirit makes you secure. 
It makes you secure when you step out. I'm going to pre-say a little bit of Ephesians chapters 1, 13 to 14. Because I believe when I, I went through it, and this is what the Father is saying to each and every one of us. My great desire for those who believe in me is that you feel secure in my love. I have chosen you before the foundation of the world. I have predestined you to be my children forever. I have redeemed you by the blood of my Son. And I have put my Spirit in you as a seal and a guarantee. Therefore you will receive the inheritance and the praise, the glory of my grace forever and ever. And I tell you this here in Ephesians because I want you to feel, this is Paul, I want you to feel secure in my love and my power. I don't promise you an easy life. In fact, through many tribulations, you must enter the kingdom. And we're going to come on to the tribulations in a, in a couple of minutes. Let me say it again. I have chosen you. I have predestined you, says the Father. I have redeemed you. I have sealed you by my Spirit. Your inheritance is sure because I am passionately committed to magnifying the glory of my grace in your salvation. Being secure in our love between the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Holy Spirit to the Father, the Father, the Holy Spirit to the Son, the Holy Spirit to us. Are we secure in that tonight? Are we secure in it? Because if we're secure in it, we should be filled with joy. We should be filled with such an expression of happiness and joy. But the, Jesus, the disciples said to Jesus, we don't believe. We're fearful. And yet, these are the same disciples who spread the gospel first. And look where we are today. Look carefully then how you walk. Sorry, Renee. Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 18. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And, and just because it came from Ephesians chapter 5, I'm, I'm not choosing this any particular way, but... Why do people turn to escapism of many kinds? Alcohol, drugs, that happy hour, that sin that we go into, the debauchery that we go into, the addiction that we go into. Is it because the days are evil and we're frightened by it and we're discouraged, we're depressed, we're anxious? Paul pleads us, don't turn to these things, turn to the Spirit. Anything of value that alcohol can bring you, God the Holy Spirit can bring more, says Paul. How many people, I used to work in a, in, a, in a manufacturing plant in the UK when I was doing my um, city and guilds, my engineering and, and, and so on, my city and guilds uh, apprenticeship and so on. And I was working with ex-Second um, World War um, soldiers, fighter pilots and so on. They had lived through the Second World War. These guys were whistling. They were happy. Some of the guys, I tell you, they only but sang a song. All day, every day, even when you were on the night shift, they were singing the same song. They were happy. 
They had found freedom. They had found freedom from the war that they had just come out of. They had found freedom because they had also found Christ. Now for me as a young lad going in and listening to all of this and the songs and the whistling, it was driving me crazy until I started to listen to some of the words that they sang and some of the whistling tunes that they had. They were old hymns. They had seen them through the terrible ordeals of the war. They had found that happiness. They had found that security. They hadn't needed to turn to addictions of whatever kind it may be. They didn't look for those short um, areas of sin, those highs of happiness just for a moment or two and it's gone. And you look for the next one. No. They were carefree. They were happy. They were free. I mean, a childlike freedom, you can say. There's no better way to cope than being filled with the Spirit. The Spirit who fills us is the Spirit of joy that ever flows between God the Father, God the Son, backwards and forwards. Because of the delight that they have in each other, do we get filled with that same Spirit? Do we still have that same Spirit that's caught up in that joy, that ever-flowing, that Holy Trinity? Do we get that love, the Father, the God, the, Father, the God, the Son, and the that love that keeps coming backwards and forwards. Do we get that? The pathway that the Spirit cuts through all our anxieties, all our fears, clearing the way is a, is a, a vehicle called faith. And according to Paul, the, the way to be filled with the Spirit is by trusting that the God of hope really reigns. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. A sparrow falls to the ground not a sparrow falls to the ground apart from his will, that he runs the world for you, for all who trust his word. To trust his word, humble yourselves. Sorry, Renee. Um, where have I got to? 1 Peter 5, 6 to 9. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty Mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety onto him. He cares for you. Your fears, your anxieties, those moments of pain, those moments of distress. Remember, he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. But when we share that together, our fears are lessened, our anxieties are lessened. I'm coming up to almost the close to say the Holy Spirit allows us to die to self because self is in our little box. Dying to self means I can move out of my box. This is my box. I can move out of it. But only the Holy Spirit gives me that ability to die to self. Again, remember the words fear, false evidence appearing real. What's in your life? Um, I just want to read from Titus. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. For the free gift of eternal salvation is now being offered to everyone, 
And along with this gift comes the realization that God wants us to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures and to live good, God-fearing lives day after day. You know, our greatest fear can be death itself. I mean the, the natural, the, the natural death when we move into eternity, if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We have no fear. Jesus will be with us. Um, Paul, in the tradition, we all know in the history, in the history of the books, that Nero beheaded um, Paul, and he went to um, various times in and out of like a court case, and he went in, and he was in custody in Rome. He was locked and chained to different people, and he knew that his days were numbered. Paul knew this. He knew that his physical end of life is coming to an end. And he makes his, def his defense. The decision to, is made to hear once again, but then the end. And he is beheaded. But before he is beheaded, knowing when he's in his jail cell, knowing that the end is so close, Paul in, writes to Timothy and he says, At my first defense... No one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. The Lord is going to be with each and every one of us. Yes, when we die to self, but the Lord himself will be with us at the moment of personal, natural death. I pray that you'll remember these words the Spirit will help you to die, yes. He will stand by you when there is no one else with you in that stepping from earth to heaven. He will sustain your faith. He will give you a glimpse of glory. He will cause you to magnify Christ in your death and even the death to self. Courage which you thought you never was, it would be possible for you is yours. For the spirit of the glory of God will rest upon you and carry you home and give you strength now in this life to overcome our fears, anxieties and all the things and to step out in confidence knowing that he has you in the palm of his hands. One of the fears that I think most of us have is getting sick, having bad health. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through the, his spirit who dwells in you. That same love, that spirit dwelling between the Son and the Father, the Father and the Son unto us, is there. That spirit raised Jesus from the dead. God is so profoundly concerned with your body if he weren't, he would just let it rot in the grave. But no, he doesn't do that. He doesn't tell you to say good riddance to your life. No, he doesn't say that. God created you with a body and he created you for his glory when it will be raised into life. The Holy Spirit will be with each and every one of us at that moment. And there's a, there's a lovely story that I, I kind of presaged it a little bit. So it's, it's watching someone who has accepted Jesus and has gone into heaven. 
Their body was perhaps mangled, deformed, emaciated, or disease-ridden. But God is going to make it strong, healthy, and beautiful. And the writer says to this other person that when I see it, I will say these words, You are like the broad blue sky on a bright summer day. You are like the splendor of a million stars against the black night of space. Your radiance is like the sun. Yes, in you, the person who's died, I see the grandeur of the glory of Jesus Christ who made you, redeemed you, raised you, and glorified you with him, gloried forever and ever. Where can a person find that power to press on, to see that picture for each and every one of us? Where does a husband or a wife get the emotional strength? Perhaps when there's been no reward in their relationship. Or perhaps between a husband and a wife and a mother and a father where they've got wayward children or bad relationships with their family or friends. Where does a person press on in life? We have the security of knowing that we can find this freedom to see Christ Jesus in each of us. If we've taken that step of seeing Christ in our lives, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We see the Son. We see the Holy Spirit to the Father, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see that. We've overcome the fear of man. We've come over our fears, our anxieties. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give you life in these bodies right now. What a joyous thing we have. The Spirit says, come. Where are you tonight? Are we standing on the edge, looking fearful, anxious, with anxiety? Or are we at that point where yeah, we, we've heard all the words, we've, heard, we've read ourselves all the scriptures, but I stand here tonight saying I don't believe. It's not going to be there on Tuesday, if tomorrow's a public holiday, when I'm in my workplace. These words will just bounce off the ceiling. How secure are you right now, knowing the joy that is set before us in our love, that the Holy Spirit has within each every one of us, between us, the Son, and the Father, and the Father, the Son, to us. Have we got that joy? Have we got that security? Are we able to change? Are we able to dissipate our fears and hand it over to Jesus? Are we able to grow from today? Are we able to transform not just taking a little sippy cup and saying, oh, I've, I've drunk from the Spirit. Or I've been hungry, I've read a few scripture verses. Or am I completely drenched? I had thought about trying to do a little thing with a bucket, and a bucket of water and just throwing it over. But how drenched are you in the Holy Spirit tonight? Let's pray. Gracious Father, we just give you thanks and praise, Lord, that you have indeed given us the security of your Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit was there in the beginning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you indeed have penned the Scriptures for us to know that they are true, that they are alive, 
that Jesus is alive. We thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for each and every one of us. We give you praise, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. And that love that you have for the Father and the Father to you and to, for the, through the Holy Spirit, may we just get a taste for that, Lord. May we get a small taste of that hunger that we need to experience that eternal love. And help us, Lord, not just to have a sippy cup of water, thinking that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. May we be drenched, drenched from the top of our head to our small toes, Lord, in your love. May we acknowledge that we struggle to have that relationship between you and the Father, the Father and the Son and to the Holy Spirit. But come, Lord Jesus, come tonight, Lord, and touch our hearts that we may indeed know the security that we have even before we face death and eternity. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Bob. I think we'll just... Uh isn't it wonderful to know that we don't do this thing alone? That, uh, you know, even the moment we get baptized, we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's like the, the Trinity. I think just the revelation of that, the Trinity comes and dwells with us. And that prayer that Bob read is that Jesus said that you be one as we are one. And that's, that's a revelation, really, to be realizing that we're not doing this in ourselves. The fact that God says, I, I'm going to call you, I'm going to grace you with the gift of participation, that uh, you're going to be a co-laborer with me and the Trinity to do my work, because this is an impossible task. To love Him, it's impossible to, to live out a godly life, the spiritual life, but He's given us His Holy Spirit. And, and so, oh, it's just an awesome, and it's good to be reminded again, just you know, what God is doing in us and through us.